The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're rolling along here in the offseason, closing in on free agency, which starts next week. And we also have the, the voting by the players right now on the newly proposed collective bargaining agreement. That is not something we have covered a whole lot at Big Blue View. I thought uh, while that voting was ongoing, thought we would take the, the opportunity here on the Valentine's Views podcast to, uh, to discuss the CBA a little bit. And here to help us try to understand what's going on with that is Bob Glauber of Newsday. Bob, thank you very much for joining the show. Glad to be here, Ed. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Always enjoy having you. So listen, we know that right now the the players are voting on the CBA, and I believe that voting lasts. We're, we're recording on Monday for our Tuesday morning podcast. That voting lasts, I believe, until Thursday. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. They They will announce the vote on Thursday. And I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's a simple majority of however many players vote that will decide whether it's a yes or a no. Correct. As in, it doesn't have to be fifty, you know, fifty percent plus one of the nineteen hundred overall players. It's fifty, just just over fifty percent of everyone who votes. So that could be a lower number. You know, if two hundred people vote. Um, and 101 people vote in favor, it's passed, even though 200 of, of 1,900 is not many players. But that, that is how the rules go. Just like the general election, Bob, we don't want to hear yeah. it. If, uh, <laughs> if, if you don't vote and, and you don't like the result, don't want to hear your complaint. Correct. And that's, you know, a lot of players do say that. I think the voting will be fairly active. Uh, I'm not, I, I can't predict uh, a percentage, but, you know, this is, a, this is an 11-year deal, so... A lot is at stake here. Definitely a lot at stake, and I, I suppose the you know the, the overriding question, getting right to the point, is what's your what's your instinct at this point? Is this 
is it going to pass or is it going to fail? And I think it's going to pass. Um, I, I couldn't tell you a percentage of how it would pass. I, don't, I can't tell you whether it's going to be a landslide or not. But I do think it's going to pass for a couple of reasons. You know, start with what's happening in the economy over the last week. Really, since they negotiated terms and finalized terms of this deal, the economy, stock market-wise, has tanked. So I think players look at that and say, well, we got a pretty good deal based off uh, of a contract that was negotiated when the, when the economy was humming along and there were no interruptions like we're seeing now. Um, and number two is this deal really does benefit the middle and lower classes, if you will, of the NFL. It, it really benefits the minimum salary guys. It gives them an immediate $100,000 a year boost in their salaries, and, and that means a lot to a lot of players. I didn't realize until DeMora Smith was talking to a couple of writers outside his meeting uh, at the Combine uh, several days ago, and he said, you know, 60% of our membership is these minimum guys. I'm like, wow. I mean, I knew the league got younger, but, man, that's really an astounding number when you think about it because you think of all the stars in the league, J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, the, the highly paid guys, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. You know, there are a lot of highly paid guys, but there are many more who are just not at that upper end of the salary scale. And that, I think, if, if those players vote, uh, then the vote not, might not even be close because they far outnumber the players making the huge dollars. It's interesting because we talk about second contract in there, and I don't know what the percentage of second contract guys is in the league, but you know, hearing that number, I would assume that it's pretty low. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I think a number of players look. If you're good in this in this league, you're going to get a second contract if you're healthy at the time that it is ready to be negotiated. Bottom line, um, much lower odds of getting a third contract. Look, great quarterbacks get third and fourth contracts sometimes, um, but. The large majority of players, um, I think the best they can hope for is the second contract, and a lot of them don't even get that far. I mean, how many times have we seen players um, just in and out of the league after their first contract? But again, if you're good and if you're valuable, you're going to stick around and you're going you're gonna to make some decent money. Um, but, you know, it, it, really, if look at any roster, and if you drill down, there are many, many guys performing – very important tasks that are replaced, you know, year after year. And part of that was the way that the CBA was drawn up uh, nine years ago uh, in the 2011 season. Uh, and, you know, way back in the NFL, it was the veteran players who finally got their money on the back end of their careers, maybe when their efficiency wasn't quite as good, but, but they were rewarded for being in the league for a long time. Now there's such a reliance on younger players because it's much more economical for the owners to go with those younger players. The product doesn't really suffer all that much, although I think uh, the quality of play you know, cer certainly leaves something to be desired, especially in the early part of seasons because there's so much turnover. Um, but the owners you know, have figured out the way to deal with the CBA and much to their advantage financially, and that will continue if this, if this new deal is passed. 
And what else is in this? You know, you talked about the the hike in minimum salaries. What else is in this for players? We hear so much talk about the 17th game, which we know is at the center of this. But incentive-wise for players, what else is there that would make them say yes to this? Well, there are several things in there. Ed. There is a, an increase in salaries, and I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Increase along with the 17th game. Um, and that will a- appeal to a lot of players. That will appeal to players at the lower end because they make money for that 17th game. At the higher end, you're saying, well, man, I negotiate all this money, and now i got to play an extra game. Uh, but they do get the one seven, 17th of the year's salary for that game. But still, it's um, a little bit less of an incentive for highly paid established guys to add that game because they know the drill. It's a long season, and now it becomes even longer. A lot of benefits increases for current and former players, and that's a big deal. The former players will see a pretty healthy increase in their pensions and health benefits, and that's a good thing for, you know, really the league at large. And um, overall benefits, uh, 401K increases, pension does increase, and uh, the penalties for drug infractions is different. It, it doesn't become as strict um, as it is in you know under the terms of the current CBA, and the commissioner's power to um, hand out discipline is a little bit more restricted in this one, and that was a big deal. Remember when when Roger Goodell was going after uh, you know players who were violating the rules, up to and including Tom Brady. A lot was was talked about the commissioner's power, and that has been reduced uh, quite a lot um, to. It goes more toward arbitration, and it goes more toward third parties uh, deciding on disciplinary matters. Right. He doesn't also he doesn't also rule on the appeals process, if I if I understand it correctly, right? Well, he he has appealed. He has been the judge, jury, and executioner in a lot of these things, where he is the appeal, um, unless they go to court. Um, but yes, he will have much less of a role in getting the you know being the appeals officer in, in in a lot of these cases and that was a real big sticking point with players and from the from the ownership side obviously they want the 17th game they want the reduced preseason um, other than other than the the 17th game what is there on the owner's side that that makes them that would make them want this deal well the one big thing on the owners they, they want labor stability uh, and labor continuity in large part to negotiate new television contracts, and that will be coming up pretty shortly. They don't have to have labor stability because they've done that in the past. Yeah, there were there were two strikes in the 1980s, um, and, you know, the league still managed to grow quite handsomely. Um, and there have been other work stoppages, and, you know, the lockout in 2011, they still got good good TV contracts on the other end. So... They, but they're in a much better position to negotiate with the networks because they would have another 11 years of labor peace. And that's the main thing for them. And it's also, you know, the structure of the deal for the owners. They want to know, they want, you know, clarity and they want stability and they want to know what their costs are going to be for the players moving forward. And they can have that over a very long period of time. And if you think about that, if this deal does get done, There'd be 20 straight years in this deal, essentially, 
with some some improvements for sure. But 20 straight years of this deal, uh, which is something I don't think we've ever seen in, in terms of labor peace in any sport. Um, and you know, it's been you go back to the days of Paul Tagliabue when he and Gene Upshaw created the, this current CBA and the model for it, and that goes back to 1993. So we've really seen an unprecedented era of labor peace overall. You know, you have these you have these moments where it kind of looks like it might come unraveled, like the, the lockout in 2011, but they missed one preseason game that year. They've never missed a regular season game uh, since the 1987 strike, and after that, there were court cases that the players won, and that set the stage for free agency and, and the system we basically see today. All right, so I want to ask you two more CBA-related questions. If it passes this week, are we going to see you know, an immediate difference maybe in how the offseason, this particular offseason, you know, with free agency and all of that coming up, are we going to, going to see any differences in how that unfolds? Yeah, I think you would see just less participation and less requirements of the players in the offseason. That's a big sticking point for them. Not a sticking point, really, because they, they did win a lot of concessions in the last CBA about reduced number of practices, reduced number of OTA practices, reduced number uh, of conditioning uh, days in the offseason. So I think you'll see a little bit of that. But I don't think I don't think it'll change markedly. And, you know, the question, I, I think you will see um, the, the added playoff teams as early as this season. You won't see the 17th game until at least uh, 2021. That, so that will not happen this year and it probably would happen next year and moving forward. And, you know, the, the flip side of that is where do we go from here if the, uh, if the vote fails? Well, if the vote fails, uh, the owners have told the players, what well, we're going to abide by the terms of the deal that, that does run through the 2020 season. I think after that you would see more negotiations, and you'll see negotiations even now. Uh, there's a much more harmonious relationship behind the scenes with the players and the owners. Um, Demora Smith and Roger Goodell um, are, are much more willing to talk behind the scenes quietly. Remember, Smith was very outspoken against the commissioner during the negotiations in 2011, but it's just not that way anymore. So there is much more communication. So they would negotiate up to and including you know, the, the end of the season upcoming if, if this current deal fails. And then they try it again, and the owners would most likely impose another lockout, and they'd kind of be back to square one a little bit. But they, it, it's not quite square one because they, they have basically agreed on a lot of the terms that would be presented in a CBA proposal next year. Uh, but the players would certainly try to get that pot sweetened if a deal is voted down this, this week. All right, Bob, let's take a little break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. We'll come back and we'll actually turn the focus to the Giants a little bit and to the upcoming free agency period. Sounds good. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great. But together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world 
including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here with Bob Glauber of Newsday. And we we spent our time before the break talking about the CBA Uh, Let's turn our attention now to uh, NFL free agency, which starts next week. You know, the the rumor mill is already cranked up on high. Lots uh, Lots of names being tossed around for the New York Giants. And, and I think what I'm going to do here, Bob, I think what I'll do is I'll throw some names at you that have been connected to the Giants and see whether you're sort of buying or selling on, on whether the Giants will or should be interested in these players. I, personally, I think that most of the Giants' spending in free agency has got to come on the defensive side of the ball so let's start with the big name that everybody talks about, and that would be Jadavian Clowney, the only big-name pass rusher who's probably on the market. I'm one who's not in favor of spending you know, five years and 110 or $120 million to sign Clowney. Uh, where do you stand on the Giants and Clowney? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Ed. I'm a little bit iffy on Clowney just in terms of consistent production. You know, when he's good and when he's really good, it's he's a difference maker. He's a game changer. The problem is he just hasn't been that through his entire career with, with Houston and, and then with Seattle. You know, it's just there's an unreliability factor that kind of stops me with giving that kind of money and those kinds of resources to a player who really hasn't shown the ability to consistently – Dominate games. I'm not talking about. Look, you know, Strahan had a had a you know quiet game every now and then, but not too often. And you, you never saw him take plays off, and you never saw him give anything less than 100 percent max efficiency. And I, I just don't know that you get that with Clowney. The talent is off the charts. There's just no question about that. But it's just that the production maybe just doesn't match that talent. So I I, I would. I, I would stay away from if you're getting into a bidding war for for Clowney, um, you know you got some some options in the draft and the X Man 
um, should be better next year. Not that he is the, the, the be-all and end-all, um, but there are options in the draft, um, and, and, and you have some options on your, on your roster. And if they manage to sign Marcus Golden, there's, there's a guy who can at least give you some juice in the pass rush. I was actually going to mention Golden, and what's your uh, what's your instinct at this point? I think that Golden is going to move on. You know, generally when guys when you hear that guys are are going to test the market, generally they find a better offer. You know, than their than their former team is willing to give them. So, I my guess would be at this point that that the, that Marcus Golden moves on. How about you? Yeah, I, I think you're right there, too, uh, Ed. And I think that Golden, um, he did have a nice year last year, and I think he, I don't know about if he overachieved, but he, he certainly did well, uh, got to double digits in sacks. And, but, you know, you're right. If someone's going to look at him and say, hey, you know, we can give him more than the Giants are willing to give him. And, again, we get into the, the debate with the Giants that, well, do we put our resources into a veteran guy who will probably not be here all that long? Or, you know, do we, and if we can afford him, get him at a, at a reasonable price, that's great. But if some team is out there really willing to give Marcus Golden a, a good payday, and that would, that would be the best of Golden's career after kind of betting on himself with the Giants, then I, I just don't know if you go chasing that. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of analytic data right now that talks about is the front end of the defense, meaning the pass rush, more important than the back end of the defense. And and the folks at Pro Football Focus will try to tell you that coverage is more important than pass rush. Dave Gettleman talked about it at the Combine. He said basically, you know, the front end helps the back end, the back end helps the front end. It, it, It all works together. And if you can't land Jadavian Clowney, if you can't land Yannick, and I don't even want to try to pronounce his last name from the Jaguars, yeah. you know, if you can't land Chase Young in the NFL draft, then maybe the way to go is to try to, to add to your secondary, and that leads to you know Byron Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. We keep hearing, you know, we hear that maybe the Jets are gonna, are in on Jones. We hear that maybe the Eagles are in on Jones. Would you be willing to to get into the bidding war on Jones and and to give him a big money deal if you're the Giants? The answer is yes, I, I would. Um, I think Jones is one of those um, cornerbacks that will be worth the money. Now, he's had some injury problems in Dallas, but talent-wise and, and, and reliability-wise, that's the, the word, and I think he is tremendous. And you cannot have enough good corners in this league. Um, Jack Rabbit is no longer in play. And they need a veteran presence there. They've got some some decent young cornerbacks. They need to continue to get more. But Jones, to me, if you're going to spend your money somewhere, it should be on the cornerback position. And he is clearly the top of the market in this year's free agency class. So I'd say the answer is yes. You try you try whatever you can to get Jones. And I think you know spending big money on free agents. The last time the Giants went big in free agency was before the 2016 season. It's always a gamble. The way I look at Jones, it's probably comforting as well to know that 
that the guy who's been his head coach for the last few years is on the Giants' staff right now. So I think the Giants are perhaps in a position where, where they've got good information on this guy. Yes, Jason Garrett will pound the table for Byron Jones, and already has. So I think that is a good um, situation to have a player that you know, uh, that one of your coaches is certainly familiar with him. You know what's going on behind the scenes, how much he is devoted to football. And uh, in the Giants' case, having Jason Garrett here um, is, is a benefit when it comes specifically to Byron Jones. Well, let's turn to to the offensive side of the ball quickly here, Bob. If there is one player on the offensive side of the ball that I can see the Giants making a big run at, it would be Jack Conklin, the right tackle from the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know that there are four offensive tackles at the top of the of the draft board, but I I can see a scenario where you make a run at Jack Conklin and then you use that draft capital at the top, you know, to fill other needs, to go after an Isaiah Simmons or, or something like that to help your defense. What's your thought on, on the Giants and, and Conklin? You know, I think Conklin is a very good player. Uh, I think he is worth a, a decent amount of money. I don't think he is worth uh, overpaying for. And I think the Giants saw that with Nate Solder. Uh, they, they they overpaid for him, and uh, that did not work out too well. Now Solder is still you know with the team and still willing to play wherever he is asked to play, and I, I think he will have a better year this year. He's had some personal uh, things going on with his child, and hopefully those those will work out. You know, his child has had some some cancer issues that the, that the family has had to address, and Solder quietly went about doing that. I, I have ultimate respect for that guy. Um, so again, you you should be able to draft better guys um, and not have to spend that money. But you know, Dave Gettleman has had you know kind of hits and misses. I think Hernandez is is a is a good young player and a good example of of drafting well uh, in, in within reason. Um, but you know, he's got to hit on more of those hog mollies, and and he hasn't been able to do it. So if Dave Gettleman in his first three years is spending upwards of $60 million on tackles, um, that's, that, that's really not a good prescription for building your football team. So I like Conklin, uh, but you also got to ask yourself, you know, why are the Tennessee Titans willing to let him go? It's not that he's a bad player, but they've made decisions uh, for their own roster that say, hey, you know, he is, not, um, uh, he is not a guy that we absolutely positively have to have. So I think you take that into consideration, and you go after him at a reasonable level. But if some team's going to blow him away, you say, thank you very much. You know, we'll try to do it in the draft, or we'll try to do it with uh, perhaps a lower-tier free agent. All right, Bob. Hey, always appreciate your time. Always appreciate having you come on the show. Why don't you tell folks where they can, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and uh, what, uh, what you might have uh, in the hopper here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at Bob at Bob Glauber, B O B G L A U B E R. Uh, Combine any time. Love to tweet and love to to interact. Um, next couple weeks, Ed, I will be doing what you'll be doing, following free agency and seeing seeing what the heck happens you know, with 
a really important offseason. I tell you what, league-wise, it won't affect the Giants because Daniel Jones is there. But quarterbacks are going to be <laughs> they're going to be hopping in free agency, um, and this is going to be a, a fascinating season for quarterback turnover in the NFL. And uh, so, before I let you go, uh, where's if you're a betting man, where's Tom Brady play next year? Well, if you're a betting man, I still think he is most likely going to end up with New England. But if that doesn't happen, and I think there is a good chance, a decent chance that doesn't happen, I think the Titans, the Raiders, and the Chargers are the teams to watch. I know the Colts would love to have him, but he's not going there. So I would say, in order, Tennessee, uh, the Raiders, and then the Chargers, the 49ers, I just just don't buy that they're going to be all in on Brady. But look, stranger things have happened. All right. Interesting offseason ahead, Bob. Always enjoy you uh, spending some time with us. Giants fans, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all your favorite podcast applications. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.